Hi, uh, I'm Christina Rodenbeck from the Oxford Astrologer, and I'm here with my friend Sally Kirkman from sallykirkman.com, uh, and together we are Astrology Talk, and we're um, we have this. We're going to do one of our little mini episodes today. Um, Astrology Talk investigates and talk about a specific question. Um, so the question is this. Uh, this week, this month. What's the question, Sally? What does Frankenstein tell us about the future now? Yeah. So it's often a question that I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, <laughs> what does Frankenstein tell us about the future now? Of <laughs> Boris Karloff. And you may say to yourselves, why is that relevant? That seems completely bizarre to be talking about a book written in the early 19th century uh, at the beginning of, in the early uh, 21st century, but actually it's very relevant astrologically. Um, and as we all know, Frankenstein was is probably one of the most influential books written in the English language, actually. Yeah. By a woman. By a woman. So I will get her chart up, the chart of Mary Shelley, author of Frankenstein, daughter of the great uh, feminist Mary Wollstonecraft, and... Um, Wife of Percy Bysshe Shelley, of course. And they were born, well, she was born into very interesting times, wasn't she? Um, and those of you who are looking at this may notice that the planet that we're particularly interested in is Pluto. Um, Pluto at 29 degrees Aquarius in her birth chart on the midheaven. It stands out as a signature. And this is important because this was the last time that Pluto was in Aquarius. And we've now got the planet that's connected to, well, death, destruction, loss, regeneration, transformation, back in Aquarius. And this is going live on January the 8th. Pluto's already touched base in Aquarius from March to June 2023, but it goes back into Aquarius January the 21st this year. And apart from a few months, September to November 2024, this is it. Pluto's in Aquarius again, and it will be there for another 20 years. So we're taking you back, really, to a signature of the last time Pluto was in Aquarius. And this, I mean, this <laughs> it's such a standout chart, isn't it, Christina, with that Pluto up in the midheaven? Yeah. I mean, she created a monster, right? And you know, sometimes these outer planets are monsters. Uh, there's two parts to, to, you know, two outer planets are heavily involved for her, of course, because Uranus is important too, which she has in Virgo. She has the sun in Virgo making conjunction to Uranus, slightly wide, not very wide, actually, it's five degrees apart, um, in the writer's sign, Virgo. And she created a monster, which is... Uh, a terrifying monster from the underworld, from the subconscious, from the collective subconscious. Um, you probably know this story, but I'll just mention it quickly, is that how she came up with the story of Frankenstein is really interesting and in that she was just a young woman. She was 19, or was she 18? She was like late teenage. She'd run away with her boyfriend, Percy, to Switzerland to stay with their great friend, Lord Byron. Um on the shores, I think it was Lake Geneva, but of one of the Swiss lakes. And uh, this was a famous summer in Europe because it was the summer, it was called the summer there was no summer. 
because there had been a, a volcanic explosion on the other side of the world, which caused a kind of long winter across the world. And so it was raining, it was horrible, and they had a competition. They were very bored, stuck in this house, and they had a competition between her, Byron, Shelley, and Byron's doctor, Polidori, to come up with a story, a scary story. And she did. She came up with a story that she kind of dreamt that night called about Frankenstein, about this, a doctor who creates, uh, uh, who brings back the dead, which is plutonic. He brings back the dead using electricity, which is Aquarian. (laughs) That's why we have those little waves in Aquarius. That's why the sign for Aquarius is those little waves. She came up with Frankenstein and Polidori came up with someone like Dracula. So at that very moment, they created these two monsters that would last for the next hundreds of years. We're still watching vampire movies. Um, We're still talking about, if you say Frankenstein, everybody knows who who you mean. We talk about Frankenstein food. Um, And we're now talking about Frankenstein AI, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, this is, you know, this Aquarius is the, it's the sign of invention. It's the sign of technology. It's the sign of the future. So, you know, Frankenstein, it's a really interesting novel. I mean, the Frankenstein is actually the name of the doctor, not the creature. I think we associate it with the creature. Um, And originally, you know, the doctor Frankenstein wanted to create a creature of beauty, but, you know, it's kind of this, I suppose it's this warning, isn't it, when we mess with technology or futuristic things, sometimes we're not fully in control. So, you know, his creature turned into a monster. And there's all these themes in the novel, like you said, about, um, you know, death and rebirth. And and he he's worried that his creature is is committing atrocities. And, you know, the creature also realizes about human nature. There's lessons around human nature that, you know, he realizes some human beings are kind, some some are evil. Um, so there's lessons about human nature in this as well. So it's a, it's a really kind of interesting novel. I mean, I think, you know, just looking at Mary Shelley's chart, to have Pluto on that mid-heaven, um, I mean, she was very in tune with death, actually, wasn't she? Because, you know, her mother died really giving birth to Mary Shelley. She died 10 days after Mary Shelley was born. And then also Mary Shelley, she lost children. She lost a couple of children, I think, with with Shelley. She was very young. Um, So there were these deaths. So there was this sense, I think, also of grieving and loss that, I mean, she was probably trying to work through in some way in, in this novel. But the really interesting point, I think, is this, you know, there's Frankenstein was about creating creating this monster. So, you know, there's, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? Um, and, and that, again, is with AI. It's fantastic. The technology is incredible. But are we moving into a period where through technology, you know, we're in charge of it, in control of it? Are we creating a monster? I think that's the kind of question to ask. Yeah. And, and you know, the thing is, it's about fear, isn't it? Pluto can represent our darkest fears, um, and, you know, obviously, 
she she had been to um at that time there were a lot of lectures in london that were being given by scientists who were demonstrating electricity and one of the things they would do was to would be to like galvanize a frog a dead frog and make it move using electricity so that's so she was very much of the time so her her book was incredibly current um and dealing with current thinking you know and turning it into a story it's actually a really unreadable book in my opinion i think it's horribly written um but and what i find interesting about it is that she creates this character this story it's archetypal right so it's not often that you get a completely new archetypal story in a way it's like the um it, it's like uh pygmalion the story of pygmalion the greek sculptor who falls in love with his he creates a sculpture and he falls in love with it um but it's actually not not quite that is it because it's uh, it's like a sort of monstrous version of that so she creates an archetypal story and this is why it became an incredibly popular play um that was done over and over again um in this sort of uh the theater of hearts of horror that was fashionable in Victorian times. And then it was one of the earliest um, film films made was, you know, Frank, were Frankenstein, but these monster films, um, which have just gone on and on and on. So she created a character, an archetypal character that has been carried through culture since then. And that's an amazing thing to do. It's not actually very many of those that one can think of. And it's extraordinary that Dracula was created around the same time. Um, and what I find interesting about the Pluto in her chart is that it's at 29 degrees of Aquarius, right, on her midheaven. So the 29th degree, so it means that she's had Pluto in Aquarius all the way up to her birth, right? That's Pluto's been in Aquarius. And of course, her mother um, was a great revolutionary. She was in France during the French Revolution. She was inspired to write A Vindication of the Rights of Women, which is an incredibly seminal, important feminist text. So she comes out of revolution, Mary Shelley. She's born in the revolutionary the spirit of revolution is actually in her. Um, but what she expresses is this fear of the revolution in a way. She's frightened, you know, because Frankenstein is a book about fear. Um, and I think there are two parts to this. One is, yeah, we might be creating monsters, but the other is, you know, is just acknowledging the fear of the future that's within that Pluto in Aquarius as well. And just to say, I think also that's, you know, we are, we've been talking a lot about obviously Pluto's move into Aquarius. It's a really epic shift, um, and it's things aren't going to happen overnight, but it is going to be here for another 20 years. So there's been a lot of talk about, you know, what that is about and looking back to the past to see what the patterns were then. And there is this theme of revolution, but revolution is also about bringing something new to the mix, isn't it? It's like getting disheartened as well or disillusioned with the way society is, the kind of structures in place. Um, and, you know, there are times in history when people need to bring in the new. And I mean, that's partly what revolution does. It can do it in quite a, you know, out of control way. And, and interesting that Uranus, the planet Uranus, was discovered also during this period in the late 18th century. That's when Uranus, the planet that we associate with, with revolution, the co-ruler of Aquarius, 
we associate it with that. Um, you know, and bringing something new, people not wanting things to stay the same when there's perhaps this um, lack of equality, the inequality in the world. And Pluto in Aquarius, you know, it is this one way you could use it or, or see it as power to the people. Um, and Aquarius is much more about the collective. It's about the social strata. It is a star sign that's much more about equality. It follows on from Capricorn that has all these traditions and hierarchies. So also there's this sense of, you know, we are moving in now to an era that is bringing in this desire for the new. And I think a lot of people would quite like to turn things upside down to, you know, move into not necessarily a new age, which is what we all talk about, but wanting this kind of flavor of revolution. Let's, you know, let's shake things up because of this real inequality in the world. And it's political. You know, I, that I always, you know, Aquarius is one of the very political signs. You know, this is about structures. It's, it's an air sign, right? So it's about the social order. Um, and it's about people, right? Air signs are about people and how we communicate and Etc. Uh, and Aquarius is a fixed is the fixed air sign, so it's about systems. And what Pluto does when it goes into Aquarius is it revolutionizes social systems, right? So you get the American Revolution, which okay, we could say it's the transfer of power from one elite to another, but then you get the French Revolution, which changes everything, even the calendar, right? And that's what her parents were involved in, and what Mary Shelley is born out of is that revolutionary spirit. Um, and that revolution, she's born in that revolutionary time. And it's just interesting to point out that she also has Uranus in an earth sign like we have now, right? Um, Uranus is currently in Taurus. She has it in Virgo. So she dips her pen. Her pen is, she's born with her pen dipped into the revolutionary inkwell. Um, and out it comes, writing in very black ink. You know, she's writing in dark black ink. She didn't really write anything else, by the way. It was just the one thing was Frankenstein. Out it came. Boom. It was like she channeled it. She dreamt it and it came out. It's like she was she was the channel for that. The reason we're looking at her chart is obviously because Frankenstein is telling us something about our relationship with technology right now and the fears around it um, and the potential for things going really wrong. You know, our is, it, you know, our What's that thing that Elon Musk does? Is it called Skylab? Those, you know, when you see those satellites going across the sky, you know, is that, is that Frankenstein or is that not? Is it good? Is it bad? And we're inclined to see things also in, you know, technology as either it's good or it's bad, but actually it's gray. You know, it's somewhere in between. It's always somewhere in between. It's how it's used. Um, and this is one of the questions that's going to be demanded by Pluto and Aquarius is, you know, how are we using the technology? And what are the moral standards? What are the ethics around this? And again, Aquarius is a sign that can examine ethics extremely well. You know, it's a philosophical sign, one of the philosophical signs, but it's a sign that is about creating ethical rules. So when you think about the French Revolution, they they created a lot of new rules. They made all these law, they changed the laws um, and they created a, 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 you know, a new form of governance, new form of calendar, new form of weights and measures, um, because they and this is all super Aquarian stuff. Um, so how literally down to you know we're all well Americans don't, but the rest of us are using kilograms and um, 
millimeters, etc. You know, the metric system. This is a, a product of the French Revolution because it's it's saying actually, you know, guys, we need to we need to agree on how we're measuring things. Otherwise, how long is a piece of string? And we have the same thing with the current technology. How long is a piece of string? I don't know about you, Sally, but I have to say, if I have to get another new cable <laughs> for my computer uh, or my phone or whatever, and another new socket, why is this not standardized? You know, so there is something in here also about standardizing stuff. Yeah. And just one more thing I want to pick up on, which is partly um, from what you were saying. There's, you know, with new technologies, you have to experiment, don't you? I mean, that's, yeah. you know, you have to experiment and some things work out and some things don't. You know, it's like when you were talking about Elon Musk, I think it's Starlink, isn't it? Those satellites. And he's constantly having, you know, he's always wanting to send these rockets off and they, they don't always work. Some of them explode and, and things, but that's the whole thing with what is new. You do need to be willing to take a risk to experiment. That's also part of this kind of Aquarian ethos, isn't it? It's it's being willing to experiment and try something new too. Yeah, absolutely. It's a scientific method, isn't it? Is you have a hypothesis, you 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 do the experiment, and either it works or it doesn't work, you know. And then you move on to the next one. So a willingness to fail, I think, is part of this. And people fear failure, don't they? They're scared of it. And actually, some of this technology is going to fail. Um, like and 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 this is the technology that is connective, if you see what I mean. That, but I'm thinking of that as in the Aquarian sense. Some of it's going to fail, and that's fine. Uh, it's important not to get too hung up on the failure, but to, to move on and do the stuff that's, uh, that, that works. Yeah. And just also to say, you know, I think that's, and, and to be aware that we're not always in control of the outcome either. Which is kind of, you know, this is the the story of Frankenstein, isn't it? What you think you're creating. I mean, Frankenstein, the doctor, thought he was creating a figure of beauty. And in effect, it turned out to be a monster. But it was a monster who, um, you know, had human values too, actually. I mean, that was a real kind of, you know, there's the, the dark and the light within the creature too. So, I mean, I think it is also that you know, also being aware that we aren't in control and just just being able to acknowledge that might be important moving forward. And also that we need some rules, you know, that you need rules, you need some ethics, you need to think about what's the morality of this. And that is one of the things that Frankenstein is about. It's about the loss of morality. How moral is it to bring something, revive something from the dead? And I think that's um, consideration of ethics around um, for example, plagiarism, uh, you know, uh, is going to be really important. And who who owns ideas? And this is one of the things that also with Pluto in Aquarius, right? Pluto is the thief; it's the criminal, and it's in the realm of ideas, Aquarius. So we've got a real question about who owns what ideas, um, and if there are. There, there will be wrangles around this over the next 20 years, and it will have to be sorted out. You know, copyright infringement has just become, is so rampant. Um, and as we all know, you know, anything on the internet just gets plagiarized up the wazoo. Um, and actually, that's a real problem for people who create creators. And that's, again, a story of Frankenstein is 
Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein is a creator, right? So there's a question here about creativity, which is, so we've got Aquarius, which is the opposite sign to Leo, which is one of the, Leo is a very creative sign. It's ruled by the sun. And you've got Pluto, which is going to be opposite Leo for the next 20 years as well. So if you consider, so we talk a lot about Pluto and Aquarius, but we could also just as well be talking about, about Pluto opposite Leo or Pluto squaring Taurus or Pluto squaring Scorpio. So these hard aspects that that Pluto is going to be making are really important. Um, so it's important to think about how this is going to work for creative people, creators, um, how Pluto and Aquarius is going to work or not work. And I think that's already out there, isn't it? Um, Recognising that things do need to change, like you say, the ethics around it, the rules and regulations around it. So a lot of lessons to be learned, actually, Christina. Yeah. And one more thing I would say about this, uh, the last Pluto and Aquarius, um, and what was happening at the time that she was born is that you have the French Revolution, you know, everything guillotine, new rules, you know, the world turned upside down. And this is important because, you know, France is the heart of Europe. It's a center of European culture. But then Napoleon comes along. They Then they decide that they're going to spread the revolution, right? This idea of it's like Che Guevara, but, you know, earlier early. It's an early version of Che Guevara. We're going to spread the revolution, right? And we're going to invade of all of our neighbors. So, you know, the next thing that's going to ha that happens is the Napoleonic Wars. Um, and there's a sense of internationalism also about that Pluto and Aquarius. Yeah. Right. Well, uh, see you next month. Uh, do listen to our look at the month ahead, which comes out on the 18th on all good platforms. See you then. Bye. Bye.